In the name of Allah, the most merciful and kind, you are about to listen to an audio representation of the life of the Prophet Muhammad. It does not replace a thorough studying of his life. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Chapter 2 The Angel and the Cave Muhammad ibn Abdullah was the first man to wake up in Mecca. He had woken up from a dream and jolted upright from his cot. He looked around the room. It was dark and quiet. His wife was asleep next to him, undisturbed from his sudden awakening. Judging from the darkness, it wasn't even dawn yet. Muhammad got up from his cot to get ready for his trip. There was no point going back to sleep now, he figured. Every night for the last couple of months was the same. He would sleep, have a dream that would suddenly wake him, and then everything he saw in his dream would come to pass, as true as the morning sun. The first time it happened, he thought it was just interesting, a pleasant coincidence. But then, it became more and more frequent, until it happened every single night. In his dreams, he would see the people of Mecca doing their everyday routines. He would hear the merchants and shopkeepers crying out their sales and deals. He would hear the children playing and chasing the lizards they found the poets with their daily spats and rhymes. Then, the next day, reality would play out exactly as it had in his dreams, down to the exact words people would say. Muhammad dressed in a wool garment and put on his wooden sandals with the leather straps that kept snapping. His wife, bless her, had prepared a sack of dates and a water skin for him to take on his trip. He picked these up and opened the front door, took one last look at his sleeping wife, and walked out into the dark, empty street. As he breathed in the cool morning air, Muhammad recalled the last dream he had. It was a bizarre one. In his dream, his wife, Khadija, had been sitting alone in their home, filling a water skin, when suddenly, the sound startled her so much that she dropped the clay jug on the floor, and Muhammad woke up from the dream in a sweat. Dream. Vision was the proper word, Muhammad thought. These were not normal dreams. Khadija, the only one who knew about the visions he was having, thought this was a good sign. She said something remarkable was in store for him. Muhammad, on the other hand, was disturbed. He didn't know what any of it meant or why it was happening. Once the visions became so frequent and accurate that they couldn't be ignored, Muhammad decided to start going on his regular trips. On this particular morning, the city of Mecca was completely empty. Nobody was awake at this time. Despite it being blindingly dark, Muhammad walked briskly. He knew every inch of the city of Mecca by heart. He had lived there his entire life. As he walked between the rocky paths, he could see the looming shadow of Mount Safa and the bright stars that dotted the night sky. Desert dwellers relied on these markers to navigate, and Muhammad was no different. Using the few landmarks he could see, he navigated until he found himself through the Beni Shaiba gate. By this point, a thin white line of light had appeared in the horizon, and birds had begun their morning serenade. Walking briskly with his shoulders upright, he entered the Kaaba courtyard, usually the busiest place in Mecca during the day, but abandoned at this time. There were dozens upon dozens of idols surrounding the Kaaba. Each one represented a different deity. There was Shams and Manat, Uzza and Hubal. Some looked like humans, others fearful creatures. Others still were simply piles of dazzling gems or precious stones. Muhammad ignored all these statues. He didn't believe in the idols. 
never had in his life. How a sane person could ever bow down to a man-made object he couldn't fathom. But he wasn't there for the idols. He was there for Allah, his Lord, the creator of all. Muhammad circled the Kaaba with his eyes leveled, touching the drapes occasionally. Here I am, O oh Allah, here I am. He whispered with the sincerity of a man speaking with soul and not tongue. His fingers brushed against the black stone. Five years had passed since Muhammad had placed it in the corner of the Kaaba, that fateful day when disaster was averted. The memory brought a smile to his face, but it was a sad smile. For even in that memory was the disturbance of the strange and unexplained occurrences in his life. He remembered helping Abu Talib with the construction all those years ago. The men had been lifting the enormous bricks on their shoulders, and one by one, each began to remove their garments to pad their shoulders. Muhammad had verbalized his soreness to his uncle, who had simply replied, Do what the others do, nephew. Remove your garment as well. Before the thought even occurred to Muhammad, he had fainted there and then, dropping to the floor unconscious. People had crowded around him. Get water for him! Get water, I say! Abbas snarled. And when water was poured on him, he woke up startled and frenzied, shouting out, My garment! My garment! The incident still puzzled him now as he completed his seventh circle around the Kaaba. He quietly supplicated to God, asking him for safety in his trip and guidance in his life. Then he strode out the southern gate of the courtyard, towards the outline of Mount Marwa. In the distance, a rooster cried out. There was some shuffling behind the doors and windows of the homes he passed. People were just beginning to wake up. But now he was leaving the inner city and entering the outskirts. Beyond the mountains of Mecca was the unforgiving desert, the unrelenting sun, and the ever-present sand. Arabs were the best-equipped people in the world for the desert, but even Arabs drank water. Muhammad's water skin hung around his shoulders with camel hair string. The skin itself was made from a bloated goat stomach and was fairly heavy when full. The water skin would provide him with water for about three days, Muhammad estimated. After a brief hike up the caravan trail, Muhammad finally saw his destination. The newly rising sun was pronouncing the outline of a steep cliff and a summit that rose more than 2,000 feet in the sky. Mount Hira, the highest mountain peak in the vicinity of Mecca. Despite being 40 years old, he climbed the mountain athletically, trekking up the rocky ridges and hoisting himself higher and higher with his muscular arms. This was a dangerous climb, and one wrong move would send him plummeting to the ground. Muhammad had been a shepherd in his youth and was used to dangerous climbs. The air was even cooler up here as he surpassed several hundred feet. Finally, he pulled himself up and arrived at the cave his grandfather had discovered many years ago, the Cave of Hira. It was more of a crevice in the side of the mountain. It was only big enough to fit one or two adults, but it provided exactly what Muhammad was looking for. Solitude. A man couldn't get any closer to the heavens than the top of a mountain. He looked up in time to see the brilliant crimson and gold sunrise over the horizon. From here, the wind blew his clothes and hair pleasantly. The emerging light illuminated the man standing at the edge of the mountain. Muhammad had deep, captivating eyes that were jet black with long eyelashes. His hair was also black, neither curly nor firm but was long-stranded and ended in thick locks. He was medium of stature, not too short or tall, broad shoulders and muscular arms. His skin was a reddish-brown and his beard extended down to his chest. 
His clothes and beard billowed in the wind as he admired Allah's marvelous creation. No matter how many times he saw it, he was still in complete awe of the desert sunrise. He sat cross-legged on the floor of the cave of Hira and set aside the dates and water skin. He was at peace up in the mountains. Up here, he didn't have to worry about politics or business or the daily inconveniences of life. Up here, it was silent and peaceful. He could meditate and think about what really mattered. The opening of the cave gave a superb view of the Valley of Mecca. One could see the Kaaba perfectly, though it appeared no bigger than a fingernail from up here. For hours and hours, Muhammad sat, sometimes with his eyes closed, other times watching the Kaaba intently. He would mutter prayers to Allah, glorify Him. Sometimes he would beg Him. Other times he spoke to Him in an almost conversation-like fashion. He could see the specks of people circling around the Kaaba. Even from up here, there was no escaping their idolatry. Oh Allah, how misguided they are, these men and women that humiliate themselves to wood and stone. These men and women who cheat and lie and steal from each other, who live their lives animalistically, wasting their precious years on money and nobility, and then they die. And what happens to one after he dies? Is that it? Is that the end? In the darkest hours of the night, Muhammad raised his hands tearfully to a sky full of stars and a crescent moon. O oh Allah, guide us. There is too much bloodshed and oppression. There are orphans and beggars in the city. There are slaves and hungry folk. For a brief moment, there was a rushing sound, and Muhammad wiped his eyes quickly and looked around, but there was nothing. His body was tense. Khadija was right. These dreams meant something. He felt as though Allah was trying to tell him something, but he wasn't sure what. Another sunrise, another day. He watched the clouds with their immense shadows soar above the dunes and mountains. He remembered a relative pointing out to him many years ago that there always seemed to be a cloud shading Muhammad wherever he walked. He had dismissed that claim initially, only for him to find it true when he began to pay attention. Why? What did it mean? Why did so many strange and unexplainable things happen to him? When the night descended over the sky, he once again raised his hands towards the heavens. My Lord, my Creator, what do the dreams mean? Why do I hear greetings when I walk in the wilderness, only for me to turn around and find no one there? Why do the branches of the trees extend over my head when I sit at their trunks? Again, a rushing sound. Muhammad stood up quickly and searched frantically around. Nothing. He felt an emotional fatigue from continued confusion. Sunrise. Sunset. Meditation. Supplication. Desperation. If he knew of any other mountain that was higher, he would have climbed it. If there was anything else to say to bring him peace, he would have said it. But there he sat, in the dark of the night. A man on a mountain, with nothing but his lord. His water skin was empty, and a pile of pits sat where the dates once were. He would wait till morning, he thought, make the descent back to Mecca, greet his wife and children, get some sleep. Perhaps in a few days he would return. Perhaps some meaning or understanding would be bestowed upon him then. He leaned back against the wall of the cave and closed his eyes. If he were not a human with human needs, he wouldn't mind sitting here forever. 
His eyelids were suddenly washed over with piercing white light. For a second, Muhammad thought he had slept through the sunrise. He flinched and opened his eyes to a dazzling display of milky light. What he saw made him gasp. The entire night sky was being enveloped by a giant creature that radiated with sparkling white light. The creature was impossibly massive, with hundreds upon hundreds of tendrils that swayed and flapped through the air in unison like the fins of a giant fish. Muhammad gasped and staggered back onto his back in horror. The creature was so large that the entire night sky was covered up, every star extinguished by the flying creature of light. It was as though the sun had sprouted wings and was descending upon the mountain. The wind rushed down on Muhammad like a tornado. He wanted to run, to hide, to do something. But what could he do in the little cave at the side of a mountain? What could he do against a monster as gigantic as this one? The creature swooped down on the cave. It had a face, a face with skin and flesh woven from pure light. This was a dream. This was a nightmare. It had to be. This wasn't real. He couldn't believe what he was even seeing. His heart was pounding. His legs were shaking violently. He could see nothing through squinted eyes but rushing lights all around him. Those hundreds and hundreds of wings beating with magnificent beauty and terrible power. Then it spoke with a voice that vibrated the entire mountain with booming dominance. Read. Muhammad was shaking. He felt he was going to faint. Read? What did it mean? He was illiterate like most of the people of Mecca. And read what? I am not one who reads, Muhammad screamed back desperately. His voice drowned out by the whirlwind happening all around him. The creature descended on him, its face inches away from him. He could see the tendrils grab onto his torso and lasso him into the creature's embrace. His feet lifted off the ground. It had him. He felt like he was in a grain crusher made of diamond. Muhammad's breath was squeezed out of his lungs, every inch of his body begging for release. He tried to scream, but couldn't. His head was going to explode. And then it released him. He fell to the floor, gasping for breath, tears in his eyes. Read! I am not one who reads, he shouted back. It grabbed him again into a bear hug of death. He felt his bones creak. His stomach touched his back. His ribs were going to crack. I'm going to die, Muhammad thought. And then it released him again. He fell to the floor, his head spinning. He curled in a fetal position, shaking and sobbing. He kept his eyes on the monster. The entire mouth of the cave was covered by it. There was no escape. Read! What shall I read? He cried back in submission. It attacked again, squeezing him into that terrible embrace. He couldn't move a single aching muscle. This time for certain he would die. His final thought was Khadija, his poor wife waiting for him back home, unaware of his demise. The pain was so unbearable now that death was almost a welcome. And then the creature spoke again in that booming voice. But this time, he not only heard it with his ears, but felt it in his chest as though the words were traveling directly into his heart. Read in the name of your Lord who created, who created man from blood coagulated. Read, your Lord is the most beneficent, who taught by the pen, 
taught what they knew not unto men. And then all at once it stopped, and he fell to the floor of the cave again. He could feel the date pits under his palms. His chest was heaving, and he was still struggling to stay conscious. The being of light shot outwards from the cave, like a hawk taking off from its perch. The light was dimming, the wind subsiding, the darkness was returning. He could see the creature's face getting farther and farther away from the cave, and only one instinct was left inside Muhammad's mind. Run.